Hey everyone, thanks for listening to The Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that the audio in this next episode is a bit funky due to some technical difficulties that we had, so please excuse that. Um, The content is still great and we hope you still enjoy it despite the audio issues. Okay, now we'll get into episode 109, our Resident Evil Village spoiler review. Thanks for listening. The key to a successful podcast is to always be prepared. And I was going to say, welcome back to the Random Fandom with Brandon Brandon episode. And then I'm not prepared. So oh, I don't know. One, 110? The 100 plus. Welcome to a... a yeah, we really should have checked. Another spectacular episode of Random <laughs> Fandom with Brandon Brandon. Another super prepared episode. Yeah, and uh, we're glad to be back with you. Hope you're having a great summer. We've, 109. 109. Sounds good. Today we're, um, well, one of the last episodes we talked a little bit. I talked a little bit. You listened. About Resident Evil. Resident Evil mm-hmm. 8 Village. And now through the magic of the internet, we're able to uh, both talk about it. Spoiler filled, but obviously if you're like us, you've played it by now. Because um, you've finished it. And I yeah. finished it three you, times. You, yeah, I was about to say you finished it multiple times. Yep. Like three, yeah. Wow. I've only finished I always once. go for multiple finishes. Yeah, that's just, why the ladies like it. It's a little more satisfying. And uh, yeah, um, just really excited. I'm so glad because you're like, ah, I don't know, I've got a lot of games to play, plus I'm busy and all this stuff. And then all it took was just one little hook to get in you, and then it reeled you in. Is that fair? Is that a good fishing analogy? Are you a fisherman? I mean, I, w- I wanted to play it from the get-go, but yes, I felt like that there was a lot of things on my plate to play. Plus, I've been very busy just in life. Well, and it was free to play because remember yeah, that's what that's what changed. That me. was one of the issues. We made that a thing because yeah. you know this was the first time in a long time, or really ever, that I just went discless for a full sixty dollar yeah. purchase. And then our, our wiser gaming friend, who's kind of like Gandalf of gaming, he's tall, he's mm. had a beard, long right. long, long hair, hair, yeah, wow. grumpy. Um, <laughs> hope you're listening, Jordan. Yeah. What's up, um, Jordan the Gray? He told us. Oh, yeah, you can get basically one ghost sign-on from console to console. You can log your account yeah. in on one so other console. So you just your login, and boom, Easy. I was able to download it and play. And so didn't interrupt great. me at all. By the way, everyone who owns a, a now-generation Xbox, or maybe even previous probably, uh, should know about that. I felt like I was a little late to the party. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, what's up? Before we get into that, would you would you just indulge me? I, like, What if I told you, hey, I'm a prospective client? client? I'm a, I'm a perspective listener, mm-hmm. and I just would feel like really good if you had you know my interests at heart through I don't know some commercial means. Could you help me out? I could because you know we are super successful as a podcast, and we have sponsors um, because of the aforementioned super success. So uh, we've got a new movie for you today on Peacock now available. The movie is called Slingin' in the Rain. Thanks to advances in necromancy technology, Singing in the Rain star Gene Kelly is back to reprise his role as Don Lockwood in the dramatic sequel called Slingin' in the Rain. See, Don's life has taken a turn for the worst since we last saw him 70 years ago. Now a drug dealer in the streets of Seattle, 
Don struggles to find his way back to a career in song and dance. But to work his way into the spotlight again, he will have to sling those drugs on the streets of Seattle before he can sing his songs in the studios of Hollywood. Watch Slingin' in the Rain, now on Peacock. Isn't that like kind of the uh, premise of Hustle and Flow? Guy wants to make music, has got to sell some drugs on the side. Yeah, it's exactly the same. A lot of Cadillacs. and Sure. All right. Thank you to Peacock and Slinging in the Rain. By the way, Peacock has a very funny show that I want to just take an opportunity to tell you about and anyone else who's listening. Do you have Peacock? Is that one of the many? No, I don't. I don't have it myself, but my brother shares with me. There's this funny new show that's, a, I guess, a Tina Fey-backed vehicle um, called Girls 5 Eva. Oh, I have her. I've, it's quite I've funny if you get a chance. Okay. I would fully recommend it. It's just nonsensical. I wonder if they're doing okay. Peacock. Who cares? I don't know. As long as, as long as they got Slaying in the Rain, how could they not be? Well, they're about to just blow up because Gene Kelly is back. Yep. And you know what I hate about podcasts is when they try to do segues out of nothing. So here we go. Uh, speaking of slinging, man, Ethan Winters was slinging some ass beatings and some gunshots in Resident Evil Village 8. Would you agree? I don't agree with your segue. No, but I, I, do I wouldn't agree either. with the concept. Resident Evil 8. Full spoiler. Let's, we didn't yeah, talk say, in depth last spoiler. time. This time, carte blanche. So let's set the stage. Ethan Winters, after, you know, it's the, it's the everyday story, right? We've all been there where uh, we've survived. We've, we've saved our wife from the maniac, crazy ass backwoods family. Cannibals. Cannibals. On some sort of crazy, uh, let's say, cocaine, though it could also be an umbrella-based virus. So Ethan Winters survives. He thinks everything's fine and dandy with him and his wife, Mia, and their new daughter, Rose. Yep. Then your bestie, Chris, comes over, shoots your wife, and steals your baby. We've all been there. Not again. Vehicle that has taken him crashes, and he's in some... European, right? It was just vaguely Ish. European village. Yeah. Creepy ass village with creepy stuff going on. And that sets the stage for Resident Evil 8. Yes. I, I love this game. Uh, I was so excited, A, when last year when they started showing trailers for this, and then B, a year plus later, having played it thoroughly to not be disappointed whatsoever. Yeah. And I understand that... Um, I have a built-in bias towards this franchise, but I'll call a spade a spade. There was very little I disliked about this game. Um, It was just, it was one of the most engrossing stories of a Resident Evil Uh game, and yet the gameplay was right there to match. Like I told you last time, and agree with me or disagree with me, I'd love to know your thoughts. It took the best parts of Seven as far as first person, the slower pace, the faceless, nameless character and all the things that Seven wanted to introduce and then wrapped it up with like the best parts of, you know, like a game like 4 with a loot system, um, action, but not too much like arcade style action. I would even say, you know, you can add like number two and three in there as well, just in in the... in the way you keep retreading in the same area, you have this central location that you keep coming back to because like, you know, 4 was much more linear, for mm-hmm. example, right? But I felt like in 8, they did a really good job of having this village be this central location. And it and 
all these different aspects of the game, you go through one, but you come back to something that you felt almost comfortable with. Right? It was like your, like, it was your hub. It was, it was your hub. Yes. Yeah. Your safe zone in a way. I mean, it wasn't safe for sure, but yeah. So I a hundred percent agree with you. I felt like it brought the best of the last game seven, which was much more horror focused, slower, but then it made it much more action packed, which is just my style of gaming. Like, yeah. I, like, it's more engaging for the average yeah. fan of this franchise gamer, let alone anything else that, you know, yeah. applies. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think this fit everything that I love about Resident Evil into one game and didn't have the negatives. So in my opinion, like most Resident Evil games are great in some ways, but then lack in a lot of other ways. And this one was able to meld them pretty well. And I know that there are some people, and I've, I've looked at reviews and stuff, and some people are saying that they they felt like it was disjointed because of that, but I disagree. Oh, not at all totally for me. Disagree. Not at all for me, but... Um, so as anyone who's played the game or has heard or read whatever, it is a cool introduction, not only to the story shrouded in mystery, which I think the unraveling of the mystery is so well paced, um, but it's a great intro in the home into the village. And then as, like you said, once you realize where you are and then the task ahead of you, there's four main sections of the game. Yeah. And they played those out so distinctly unique yes. and very tonally different one from the other. One was your classic haunted mansion style feel with a stalker, basically who you cannot fight back against. And you have to outpuzzle and outsmart them. The first piece felt like an upgraded version of number seven. It did. Felt like you were always a little outgunned, outmatched. You had to play hide um, and seek. In number seven, that, that was like the main gameplay. And they kept that for the first part of number eight. But then after that, every other section was completely different. Yeah, and they all represented different, not only creatures, but different styles of horror. The first one was very, you're trapped in a mansion with someone who can one-hit kill you. Yeah, if you're looking at lore, you're talking vampires in that particular situation. Yes, and then you get into the more like hallucinogenic scarecrow type horror, and uh -huh. as soon as you surrender your weapons early on, you're like, oh, and it turned out it was the whole section, level, whatever you want to call it, was one big puzzle. Yep. And it played out beautifully, by far, in a way, my yep. favorite portion of the game. And a different kind of creep, creepy horror, right? Yeah. You go away from this like uh, vampire... Which is a certain type of horror. It's a genre. Yeah. And then you go into this more like... Um, psychological. Psychological horror, but with the dolls too, which is also reminiscent of a lot of movies. Oh my God, yeah. Remind uh, me of what's, a... What's the... Puppet Annabelle? House? Like Annabelle. Sure. Like, or, or Chucky or something along those lines. Yeah. And then after you get away from there, it's more like the creature style, like the mutation and like just kind of like what's in the water, literally. Um, right. And I thought that was action, and uh, I loved that. That was cool. Uh, very literally on point with like the island island of Doctor Moreau, which and his last makes sense with Moreau. Salvatore Moreau. Uh, great final boss fight, I thought. Um, yeah. And then you get into more like the industrial manufacturer type horror, kind of like almost like Hellraiser ish, but like in a an industrial factory setting, a la mm -hmm. like a, kind of a saw dark, dingy chains. A lot of machinery, mm -hmm. um, and then creatures who clearly were experiments wrapping back. I, and I, I just love the way the game pushes you into this too. Like, and it 
gives you a taste, especially I see in retrospect of what's to come by the, like the first time you wake up and you're like, and mother Miranda's hanging out and the four Lords as they would later. And the way this game told its stories, it didn't beat you over the head with cut scenes. A lot of your fact findings done in document searching. And I just love the subtle touches. And there's some parts of the game you might not even know unless you just happen to catch that document while searching. Or happen to unlock the door. Right. Yeah. And that's why I went back and played it three times. Not only for, you know, weapon unlocks and certain things, but there were certain things that I just knew. I, I'm just, I can't figure this out. I'll move on. I'll get on the, the second. I'll get on the rebound. And then I thought it built up to a largely satisfying final fight. Um, there was one part along the way, and I'll just call it out by name. Uh, we're all over the place, so it's fine. Um, I did not, and I'm not saying you shouldn't either, but I did not like the Chris mm -hmm. uh, when you step into his shoes. It is a completely different type of gameplay. So it's worth calling out as a fifth section of the game yeah. where you play as Chris. Yeah. Sure. And it's much more action-oriented, which, see, for me... I don't mind that. That's, once again, that's more my style. It just felt like Call of Duty once the night vision goggles went on and yeah, and calling I, in airstrikes. I totally get that. I, I thought it was a little too, well, here's the word, disjointed from the tone that the four previous sections had set up in the game as a whole. But I get that's I get it. Because he kept popping in. You know, you start the story with him. He You see him a time or two throughout. And so it made sense. It just felt a little out of place for me. Yeah. But it was short. It was like 20, 30 minutes. Fine. If that, yeah. Pretty harmless. And then I thought it had a very satisfying final boss fight, which sometimes I think is n not always Resident Evil strong suit. See, yeah, I kind of felt like the final boss fight was easier than I expected. Oh, wait to play it on hardcore. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked it, and it made sense, and especially like the last 10 minutes leading up to it, so, big spoiler, you know, the M. Night Shyamalan twist of the game, which made sense, but in retrospect, I didn't see it coming, but I almost purposely tried to not speculate and theorize, because I wanted to go in this completely blind. Mm -hmm. um, Ethan's dead in, yeah. his, in his human form, but yet his body still lived on. And so it's Which like, is, is, is what you told me when we talked about this game. Right, because I couldn't spoil it. What did I say? What did I say to you? I said, the thing that always irritated me about number seven was how he can ha like have his hand cut off and then staple it together and he's fine. Yeah. And it just didn't make sense You're to like, me. What? And That's so like, lazy, right? Well, it wouldn't be lazy if they explained it. But they no, didn't it, explain it. In and of itself, back then. Yes. I was just, even the, Of course, I was like, well, whatever. I'm not going to question it, but... In retrospect, I was like, well, that's just awfully convenient. Like, oh, you just got your arm cut off. And there's a, an optional scene where you get your leg sheared off by a shovel below the knee from Jack, Jack Baker. Huh. I don't yeah. know. And then, he, and then he gives you your leg back just to taunt you. And then you just do the thing where you're like, oh, here's some... Yeah. Here's some and in this, in this game... Chem fluid. It started out the same way, right? Where you don't know... You learn at the end that you were basically... A, you're half moldy piece of bread and you're half mold you're half human somehow yeah come back together but even in this game at the beginning your hand gets sliced right off which he, shocked the shit out of it, me that was a cool moment yeah he picks it up puts it back on and by the way it somehow heals him and his clothing i don't know if you noticed that but his <laughs> sleep also was fine after that it's like oh cool the mold uh, I, can also sew yeah that's the thing about these games they are ridiculous. 
they've always been campy and they've always been ridiculous and they've always mixed in super serious. I, and sometimes it doesn't seem right. In this game, if everything it worked. totally worked, it felt good to me. I didn't mind the super cheesy aspects and the super serious aspects. I didn't mind that you're fighting, you know, vampires and werewolves and Magneto. I none of that. Like I didn't mind how different it all was. Yeah. I thought that it was a perfect mix, and um, it the whole idea of it being disjointed. I do not buy. I think that is actually one of the shining aspects of this game that I love the most. Is that I never got bored with the gameplay. I, I agree. I feel like with most, besides four, with most Resident Evil games, including the, the remake of two and three, I get bored in the middle. Because you're constantly just backtracking. You know, like I found a key. There was a noticeable minimization in backtracking in this one. But when it was, it felt good and it was a relief. It was, right. It was a different type of backtracking. And, my, and I don't know how they did it. I can't explain it, but it felt right. Yeah, the it way they keep like this short. on uh, like a modified, it's on a modified rail. Um, yeah, that's a really good way to yeah, put it. Yeah, and you and I were talking about this briefly. The way the game does not hit you over the head with story or the way it guides you along in your actual gameplay as to like, oh, where to go. And then when you see something that seems so far out of reach, but then later in the game when you get access to that, it's like, oh, yeah. And it's just a natural yeah. like you don't have to like spend half an hour backtracking in some cases, in most cases, I'll say. Um, nothing shines brightly. It's just very nice little subtle touch. And the way the game catches your eye, like, for instance... That bell puzzle, right? When you got to shoot the bells and have them go on fire. Oh, yeah. I thought that was like just, just a nice, not easy, but not hard. I mean, just it like, kind of was easy, but it also... But the like, way it just guided you, like it yeah. just... The, the game made you catch what it wanted you to see. And then also hinted like at the degree of difficulty to come, too. It just... The design in this game was just... Everything was so fine-tooth combed from... Just the way it guided you, the way the game played from this. I just This game was just on, such a, a success. It was. On that same note, there were certain situations where you might, um, okay, I found a crank and now I can get to the boat. And I can go down this well. And you think that like what might happen is you go into this now unlocked area and you might get a ruby or ammo or whatever. But in some situations, you're like, oh, there's an entire section of the map that I could totally have passed by if I di didn't decide to simply go back to that area with this new... It, it does a good job of rediscovery. Sort. Yes. Yes. So it made you want to go back. It made you get used to, like, say, that village area. It made you want to go back to certain t places. Right. You know, oh, I got the key with a guitar on it. Now I get to go explore the Maestro's house. Yeah. So things like that. Yeah, uh, and even though this is like super in the weeds, I appreciate the crafting, uh, mm -hmm. the demand the game put on you versus the supply they give you if you're paying attention. Just everything seems so on the level. Um, low point for me was the Chris Redfield thing. Yeah. Um, that's really my only like, just like, I wouldn't even say dislike, but just kind of like, eh. you like, I didn't need it. It would be like my one pass. You know, if I could like just yeah. like hit fast forward on a part. Um, you, can I ask, just yeah, please. Do you think that um, 
the game would have been better without it. And like just the gameplay never went into that. And maybe that was told in a quick cinematic. Or do you think that if it felt, I, I know what you're saying okay. and I, I can't necessarily answer that one directly, but here's what I got. It felt like an excuse for you to actually think Ethan was dead once he gets his heart ripped out. Which I did. I mean, I, yeah. I'm like, oh shit, they really killed him before the game ends? Because I, 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 I knew yeah. I knew he was not long for this. I just got the sense. Yeah. Especially as they were building up the sentimentality between, you know, uh, a, a new father and his and his newborn baby, you know. Um, I just felt like that was ha- going to happen. But then I, was, I think it was basically an excuse. So you just forgot about Ethan for a minute. Let that sink in and then it all the sweeter when it comes back to him and then that yeah that half life half death basically daydream he's having which was such a nice tie-in and callback to resident evil 7 and actually shows footage from resident evil 7 i was just like oh shit this is such a bigger like story made full circle now i was just like yeah that was really impressive so it's almost like to me that was just like an excuse and it was like a visual showcase too when you're like lighting things up and the village is just full on um got the mega my seat, mega my seat. seats just like you know in full on rage mode yeah. it was very impressive that that was the only thing i actually thought like that's how i tried to spend like oh well, i didn't like it wasn't for me but from a storytelling perspective you're like i respect it and i yeah. get it and you know what's funny is i didn't see it as that way like as a storytelling structure piece but now that you mention it it makes me actually respect it more and like it more because I do appreciate the way they told the story. I do appreciate the way they made you completely feel like he was dead and that you were now moved on to a different character. Well, as I was like, we're not going to finish the game as Chris. It's firmly established. He's not the main character, but what if he's like picks up the charge, but then he's the one that finds Mia and then she's like, Oh, there's something you should know. Boom. Back to him. Yeah. And then him coming back to life. Like the, the story was just, it was very well planned out. Yes. I remember when the the, uh, the trailer first came out, and I was super excited. Yeah, I'm like, like, what I is going on in this game? We're getting away from zombies, yeah. and we're going into more of the uh, vampires and werewolves and stuff like that. But like, I feel like they were able to bring all these different genres together and really just build this story that seemed whole, and it made you, it made you feel at least that from seven to eight, they knew what they were going with the entire time. And it didn't seem tacked on. It didn't seem like they were like, hey man, people on this internet, I don't know if you've heard of this internet thing, but people can go on there and complain. People are complaining about Ethan uh, stapling his arm back together with no explanation. Maybe we should uh, answer that in the next one. It felt like that wasn't the case. It felt like they had this whole thing planned out. You notice it was the same hand too that got chopped off? Um, another cool thing is that particular instance when Lady Dimitrescu mm-hmm. uh, cuts off your hand. If you actually pick it up and look at it in your inventory and you you know do the examine thing, you can actually see some mold in his tissue. Really? Yeah, small little thing. And then I thought that, and I was like, oh, wait, maybe I'm just wanting to believe that. And then sure enough, I was like, went to some you know silly uh, websites, and they're like, nope, that's that's like that's a clear as day Easter egg saying, yep. So you can do that in between the cinematic. Yeah, after he gets his hand cut off, but before you escape, it's in your inventory. It just says Ethan's hand or something like that. Yeah, and then you turn it around, do the 360 little camera view, and you see like mold, mold and like this very dark brown substance in his huh. in his chopped off hand. I'm like, oh duh. And then yeah, all the it was there the whole time. It's it was like a sixth sense, in a way. That's really cool. I 
I like those little. I don't know the little hit. The oh, little there's a lot pieces. of little hints of there like is. of things in this game, especially you know that like I said before, they don't hit you over the head with it, but like the, how this whole thing ties into Umbrella, even though it seems completely independent of Umbrella. Which actually brings me to the question. But I'm you didn't ask. even notice this symbol. Remember when no, I pointed I didn't it out to you? The symbol. You had to. Because yeah. it's the four lords, so it makes right. four little corners, which it's uh, like a prehistoric Umbrella symbol. Exactly, and and you that, find out the that is the next thing I want to talk about is the way that this sets up a background to the entire Resident Evil lore and the creation of the Umbrella Company. Right. And it all started in this European village. That is one of those things that I actually really liked. I love that aspect of the storytelling. Once again, when I was watching, I, I do that where when I watch something or play something and, and I feel like I know how I feel, I go and I just out of curiosity see how other reviewers and stuff will feel. And I remember watching one and they were like, oh, this seems tacked on and now they're just kind of crappily trying to answer these questions. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this oh, is I thought perfect. It was, it, I thought it was very meticulous and was, careful, like, yes. storytelling. I thought it was done perfectly. They didn't have to, but I really appreciated that they gave us an entire background and tied in all of these other things that I mentioned before, vampires, werewolves, Magneto... All into, I keep calling him Magneto because I forget his real name. Heisenberg. Heisen, oh, yeah, Heisenberg. Yeah, he is the that. danger. They they were able to take all these other types of genres and enemies, and they were able to make a story that made sense that all tied in to the story that we've been following for the past 20 years or whatever. You're, yeah, I, you're completely right. I agree. And I think what was a, uh, a strength of this game is it made the main villain kind of sympathetic she lost her yeah. daughter in the late 1800s to the what the spanish flu and then it turns out that she then discovered immortality in a way mm-hmm. through this and found out the megamycete is like a hard drive who can keep people's uh mimicry they called it mimicry okay. yeah and she harnessed that power and that's what evelyn the whole right moving and shaking of this the seven story was all about or eve Eve, Eve, yeah. Evelyn, was, Evelyn was her actual daughter. Eve was, was basically a failed thing. And it turns out she was on that same ship uh-huh. that um, Mia set out because, you know, she was a human rights activist. And that was, I'm just like, whoa, wait, what? what? Like, yeah. when you, if you had told me after seven that they're going to make eight and based on the trailer I saw, it's going to be completely related. I'd be like, I do not see how. And they made it work. I think story-wise, this was probably one of the strongest stories in Resident Evil game. And it had the gameplay to boot, to boot, plus the addition of mercenaries. Even though it's a little, I still have to play that. Yeah, I haven't done it. it. It's not definitely not as anywhere as fun as like four, sure. which is all ultimately like the biggest litmus test. But coupled with that, it's easily been the best game this year for me. Not yeah. I mean, I know that's a small playing field, but I could see myself still saying that even at the tail end of this year. Okay. And my own Resident Evil fandom aside, this was just an excellent game. So I really liked it. Real quick, since this is a spoiler podcast, mm-hmm. what did you think of the ending knowing that Rose is going to probably... Oh, how likely, fun! Likely yeah. going to be the, the protagonist that we play as in, what would it be, 9? Yeah. And number 9. But she's also very overpowered, maybe. So we, One could assume. I'm wondering... Yeah, that that uh, scene at the end was hinder it or help the gameplay of the next. Oh, I think we're gonna get into like. Or is she gonna be the bad guy of the next one? I would like that too. Right. So I'm excited to see where they go with it. Yeah, and it was one of the few times where 
I was like, what a sweet send off that I'm perfectly okay with for uh, saying goodbye to Ethan. Like that he went out. I mean, he wasn't a character that we were really latching on to. But they made him a little more easy to invest in and relate to this one, though still remaining nameless. Well, not nameless, but you know, I mean, faceless and. Yeah, he was kind of hard to like from the first one, even though he was. Yeah. What he would was you better in this one? He was way better. But I don't understand, and I, I chalk it up to maybe bad translation of a Japanese company to English. But sometimes, like the things he would say throughout the game, like I remember there's one where he like walks into this house and it's a mess, and he goes, "Huh, I guess they must have left." Yeah. There's werewolves everywhere. Nobody's around. Of course they left. Wait, speaking of werewolves everywhere, did you catch what was the litmus? Because like they had said, this village had lived peacefully for like a hundred years. So what was, what happened that just triggered all the ultra violence and the ravaging of the villagers? Oh, because she was getting the ceremony ready or something like that. But I did. Oh, maybe. I, did, I just didn't quite catch like how this place was so peaceful, and then all of a sudden, you know having something to do with her like, capturing the baby and yeah. oh how creepy is it when you think you have your baby's head oh and, uh, that was messed up that, that bothered me i i knew there was something more but I'm like what a mystery i i need to keep playing this to figure out what the hell's going on here uh, yeah uh, okay i I'm, I'm good to put a bow on this unless there's anything you want to say let's put a bow on it yeah okay so all in all we both think this game is Awesome. One of the best Resident Evil games we've played. I said last time, between the remake of 2 and 4, this is right up there with it. See, to me, this is better than the remakes. This is just more my style. I really like Resident Evil 4 as my number one. This, out of all the Resident Evil games, is my number two. It, Which is... It's that's a glut, deserved. Dude, that is a lot. Yeah. yeah. I really had fun. I will definitely want to probably play it again, but not anytime no, soon. No, take your, and take your time. Because then... Because I can always log on in there. Yeah, and then you'll like have some time and you'll be like, wait, I don't exactly remember this puzzle or something like that. Oh, one last little thing. Okay. That really made this game have its own signature. The enemy movement. I really like that. I felt challenged very, by it. Once again, it was reminiscent to 4, the way that you point a gun at them and they're slowly walking yeah. and they like jolt and move. And But it's not on like any type of pattern or loop. It was yeah. just unique from time to time. So I appreciate that. It, it, it was a little slow going at some times, and, but I appreciate that more than I do the Chris Redfield style right, yeah. of the fast moving. So, okay. How would you grade this? Uh, if we were on a 1 to 10, I, I would say it's a 9. For me. Yeah. Straight up. I, I would say it's a nine and a half. Just yeah. a few things that I could have done without. Yeah. And it, I and I we talked about this separately, but like the last part of the game out of all the four sections. The factory. The, the last part with the factory I thought was designed horribly. If you were to fix the factory, this game would be near perfect. Yeah. How cool was that uh the pre-final boss before you fight Heisenberg, the guy with the the propeller on his back. Yeah, it was cool. I really liked that one. It was apparently they got sued, by the way, because I heard about that. That character, or yeah. there's a similar character in something else who used flames and had a propeller on his yeah, back. And... So apparently they got sued. Whoopsie. And... Whoopsie. You can be inspired by someone, but when you kind of yeah. copyright. But I mean, how many slasher movies have we had somebody going after somebody with a mask? I mean, you know what I mean, like. At what point are you completely copying and at what point are you playing homage and at what point are you, is it just part of a genre? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't either. So let's wrap it up. Uh, great game. Nine to, for me, nine and a half for Brandon. Let's but move on. But what does that matter? 
unless we hear your thoughts. Yes, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we get into our final things, we have a shadow of the synopsis. Brandon has one prepared for me. All right, you ready? Yep. You ready at home? Or in your car? Or in your garage? I don't have a garage. Jack Cooper could be a world-class baseball pitcher if he didn't keep buckling under the pressure. He tries to keep his spirits up after he's traded to, well, the minor leagues, and he loses all hope when he discovers that one of his teammates is a chimp. Oh. The <laughs> Shut up. The chimp used to be the team mascot, but he was promoted to third base when the owners realized he had a talent for baseball. <laughs> as Jack, shut up. As Jack struggles to get used to his new surrounding, his chimp teammate helps him regain his confidence on and off the field. Is this the one with Matt LeBlanc or whatever? It's one of the two movies he was in. I will confirm that. Okay. I don't. I don't know the name. How about this? But this... I, obviously, I know the movie that you're talking about. How could you not? Well, it's Academy Award winning. Uh, how about this? Grammy Award winning movie. <laughs> I'm sure the soundtrack was slamming. <laughs> it ain't easy being chimping. Ain't easy was the title track. That doesn't help me. No, uh, I'll give you a hint. All right. It is a one-word title. Was it a name? Was it the name? It might have been. And how about this to further cement because you're so close. Yeah. It has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Does it really? Yeah. Okay. So that should help you get the name of the okay, movie. Okay, so it's a, it's a monkey and... It's not, your, it's not a common chimp is it name. Is called it is One word name. That would be technically... Yeah, different. not if you hyphenate. Well, I'm not going to allow that. I, I honestly don't know the name. Uh, can we call it uh, the guy from Friends? Plays baseball with a chimp. <laughs> How could this movie? I mean, oh my god! Okay, what is it? It's I, called Ed. Okay, great. <laughs> so you like ha- half got it. How did you do at home? You might have got it. Nobody got it. Yeah. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this one. Stay tuned for our next pod. Is gonna be a Black Widow review. S- Pseudo spoiler, perhaps. We'll try to stay. No, I think honestly, we'll let some time. I think that we should. Yeah, no, I think that there's a little bit of spoilers that kind of need to be had. Need to be, yeah. So please pay attention for the Black Widow one when it comes up. Do it. We're going to give us some time for you all to watch it before we post it next. Yeah. Um, but please be warned that it will be a, a spoiler, but we hope you listen. Okay. Until and to, then. Yeah, until, until then, real quick, hit us up on our socials. We are on Twitter at randomfandomwbb. We have an email. Randomfandomcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of Resident Evil 8. Let us know what you thought of Ed. Uh, the chimp, anything else that you see fit to talk about, do it with us. Yeah. Do you think Matt LeBlanc is still as sexy as he was at Friends? Like, let us know. Did you catch the Matt LeBlanc Easter egg in Resident Evil Village 8? A lot of topics. Yeah. Anyways. And the Ed Easter egg, where you get attacked by a giant mutated chimp. Who throws baseball at you. And Matt LeBlanc. He throws Matt LeBlanc at you. And we're drawing LeBlancs, obviously, as we're grass-match draws here at the end. Thank you for being a fan of our fandom for 109 episodes, you were saying. And stay geeky, everyone.